All right, what's up, weirdos? Welcome to episode two of Cultivator of Weird. Hopefully everybody's doing okay out there, not losing it too much, being cramped up in their apartments. Uh, we got a great conversation for you today. Our guest is the king of the customized cowboy hat, uh, a lover of motorcycles, classic cars, and cocktails. Uh, by far one of my favorite people, the one and only Damon Bolte. Uh, we talk cars, music, quarantine life, and his newfound love of painting cowboy boots still lifes. Damon's been in the bar game for close to a couple of decades, um, from running the show at Prime Meats in Brooklyn to owning a piece of Grand Army in Borham Hill. Uh, he is currently hanging his hat out in Marin County in Northern California. So like all of our episodes uh, for the time being, we had to record this via Zoom. Uh, so forgive the audio quality, but uh, he is a master of conversation and it was an absolute pleasure catching up with him. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Great. Fan fucking tap. Damon Balti as I live and breathe. I haven't seen you in a long time, man. Yeah, man. It's been a month of Sundays. <laughs> you got your hat wall set up there, I see. Oh, yeah. It's one of, one of the hat walls right there. <laughs> Cheers. What are you drinking, buddy? Uh, I've, got a, I've got a PSA from Port Point. No, I've got... Uh, uh, Sexton Irish whiskey, amazing. So I got me you know, a like, good old fashioned that, Anchor Lager and uh, Ragtime Rye from New York Distilling. Oh, nice, man. Yeah, this is actually an old fashioned thing. Is so like okay. First of all, <laughs> are, are we are we recording right now? Are we I, doing? I, yeah, but I mean, it's it, it, you know. We can start whenever. I just uh, uh, I just hit record when you plugged in. Oh yeah, cool. No, I was gonna say that uh, you know, there's this like stigma attached to like, you know, having a cocktail and a beer at the same time. They're like, oh, dude, double fist. I'm like, you know what? No, it's the same as beer and a shot. I mean, like, if it's an old fashioned, I mean, it's got like, it's almost, it's basically, it's like a big shot. You it's know? Exactly, yeah, it, it's it's a beer plus a shot and some sugar. Yeah. Some bitters, you know, it's like, yeah. come on. I think it makes more sense than having a shot, you know, because you're sipping on this rather than shooting, you know. Anybody that's going to turn up their nose at a, a good cocktail and a beer needs to move down a bar stool. Just hang, yeah. hang out in another <laughs> part of the bar or be open to the kind of conversation where someone's going to change your mind, especially if you're sitting next to them. Dude, I mean, like, I, I never give people shit when they uh, order their salad dressing on the side. You know, you just add more work. But like, you know, like, ah, it's whatever. I like it's a fat in a cocktail. I think it's you're in. Water. I think you're in good company. Yeah, <laughs> I think we've we've probably shared many of those uh, combos in the past, haven't we? Indeed, indeed. So, so what's uh, going on? I was just going to ask you the same. Catch me up on the latest and greatest, man. Oh, man. Well, I live in California. Coming out. Uh, 
And uh, it doesn't even matter that I live in California because I just stay in my house. (laughs) (laughs) What part of the Bay are you in? Uh, I'm in Marin County. I'm in San Rafael. So it's it's where Terrapin Crossroads is. So it's like the Grateful Dead's headquarters. I mean, it's like about as Marin as you can get, man. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's beautiful sunny day right now. And it usually is. If it's not, it's just because of a little fog and, you know, it's no big deal. It's like, it's a, it's quite a bit different from Brooklyn, New York, you know, um, well, no places really, you know, can compare to New York city in general. Um, I don't even try to compare them, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely chill out here. So, uh, yeah, I've just been, uh, doing the bar stuff, the brain work stuff, working on music, a lot of music since, you know, we've been quarantined. Yeah, 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 definitely. And uh, and smoking lots of weed. So, you know, like, the uh, the music that I've been recording is maybe not the greatest. Uh, it's fun. I'll give you that. You know, like, I'll give it that. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> everything gets a little bit more psychedelic uh, these days. Are, are you do you mean like playback jitters where it sounds really fucking awesome when you're recording it and then you listen to it uh about a day later and you're like <laughs> it, it's more like you know you start out recording a uh like a, a folky bluegrass song and the next thing you know it's like program beats to like <laughs> there's like a sitar in there and like everything's like reverse uh recorded so it's got the really crazy like kind of sounds good you can't even tell what some of the instruments are and like you just keep adding more and more shit until you're like all right i think we should start over again on this i mean that's that's how you come up with some of the best shit though man you got to find where the edge is and then pull back from there or, or fucking keep going you know it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish yeah man i've been drawing a bunch of uh cowboy boot pictures pictures of cowboy boots and and paintings of cowboy boots. It's the only thing I know how to draw. I can like, I can basically uh, open up a, I have a gallery opening on all my cowboy boot drawings, but that's been good. <laughs> and those are getting psychedelic too. You know, <laughs> it, it, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, they say, but I feel like, man, there's some fucking kick-ass still life series out there that I, I, I you know, especially the, the stuff like, like, Cowboy boots, if you didn't have any grasp of who was drawing them or why, would probably be maybe a little bit bland of a subject. But honestly, man, to to check out a series of Damon Bolte cowboy boots, I would be like, this is going to be pretty fucking cool because I, I bet, you know, they're, they're cowboy boots, Damon Bolte style. Yeah, they're trippy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, what are you working on, man? You, you, I see you've been doing some, like, like 90s style graffiti and that's kind of always been your wheelhouse right i i grew up painting a a lot when i lived kind of around where you're at now in the bay area and and i've always kind of carried it with me it's that's one of the beautiful things about doing any kind of artwork you don't need to be in one space and usually wherever you're at kind of uh it it adds another adds another layer to whatever you're doing and and uh yeah, man. I, 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 honestly, I most of the time I don't sit down with anything in mind, and I just start throwing lines on a piece of paper and see where it goes, and that's generally where yeah. I end up. Totally, man. I mean, 
I feel the same way about music because like, you know, like I play in country bands and like from, I'm from the country, you know, like that's typically like where if I'm writing a song for the band, that's kind of where it starts. But, you know, I like a lot of different stuff, man. And so like, you know, like, you know, growing up and like hanging out in like my twenties and in Oklahoma city with like the flaming lips, you know, for instance, like hanging out with them all the time. And like, you know, they are the furthest thing from country basically, but you know, like it's all respectful. You know, like you have this mutual respect of different art forms and art styles visually audibly you know like and i think the coolest thing about that is like you know there are some people who do some that are kind of i don't want to say pigeonhole or like kind of like painted into a corner or anything like that because that kind of takes away from the great art they make but there is like you know you you don't have to stick to one thing one style you know that's what makes the interesting stuff cool like sturgill simpson's last album you know it's like all it's like kind of like more electronic driven and uh, totally it's so right. good like yeah it's not the, it's not your like traditional country that he's known for and honestly like it's it's pretty fucking awesome like we went to see him at terrapin crossroads actually um right when that album came out and it came out with the anime movie on netflix too yep 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 fucking crazy um but the cool thing about that is it, it i've seen him a few times before like back in like before he had uh kind of decided to go that route um but it's kind of like watching a modern day like bob dylan going electric didn't he you know, ba- he based the concept on the record as like a, a renegade kind of kurosawa samurai type thing isn't it yeah and it's all about like kind of corporations and like record companies like it's about all of it like he's been really vocal about you know not First of all, he, he talks a lot of shit about people faking like their country, you know, like a lot of the newer like outlaw country artists and stuff. But then, sure. you know, and he, but then he's like, he did this like kind of like this flip that's like kind of emotionally driven, where he like talks about people trying to take advantage of him all the time and and all the shit and that people aren't country and they're trying to take advantage of him. But then he like turns around and does this. He, it, it's it's totally like very reminiscent of of Bob Dylan. Like when he was folk and he went electric and was 66. Um, and then all of his fans called him Judas and like freaked out. But the cool thing about with Sturgill, uh, like in, in our modern times, is that yeah, there are a lot of those people who like revere him as like like a modern, you know, Johnny Cash, like George Jones kind of person in the country world. He just said, fuck all this. He's like, this doesn't define me completely as a person. I'm gonna do this. And I mean, like, there definitely are people that it's not at the level of like, of like the how could you is it <laughs> like isms of uh, of the Bob Dylan era, but sure. uh, but you know, it's it's cool that people are a little bit more or a lot more open to hearing what he's doing now. And anyway, I can talk about that for a long time, but it, you know, what I'm saying I, I, it's kind of like echoing what you were saying about. You know, once you put the pen to paper, or you know, the paint to the fucking train car, you know, it does, you know, whatever comes out is whatever. It doesn't have to follow a formula, you know. Yeah, man. I, I think you you have. I, I think between music, uh, art, you know, physical, you know, I think you could call a lot of physical stuff in art form as well, whatever that may be. Um, you know, you have the foundational aspects of it and you put in the whatever the 10,000 hours is and you get the foundational elements and then 
you know, I think where the real interest and the real dynamics come from is is fucking taking tangents off of that and doing weird shit and testing things out. You know, I'm sure Big Daddy Dave Roth didn't want to draw a rat fink his entire career, man. You know, who knows what <laughs> kind of shit he's got locked up in a vault. You wonder if guys like Frank Frazetta wanted to draw naked chicks and Goliaths, and then you see a, a documentary about that dude and you figure out that he loved to play baseball. That motherfucker just wanted to play baseball all the time. <laughs> he would sit in his yeah. basement when he got a deadline to make the checks and paint for 24 hours, 72 hours straight, get everything finalized, figured out and done, wrap a piece, send it off, collect the check. And then he would fucking chill for like <laughs> three or four weeks and play baseball in the park with his buddies. I mean, uh, uh, that, George, George Carlin wanted to be a ballet dancer. I mean, yeah. people don't realize they don't, you know, it dig deep enough into people's lives, but you know, there's so many passions on passions. If you're a creative person, there's so many different levels to this fucking thing. And, you know, I think people, you're right. They get caught in one metric or one frame of thinking and, and that the, the money specifically, or that one thing drives what they do. And yeah, but that's, that's just kind of like the nature of whenever you, when you're an artist, you, you get some, some notoriety for like what you do. Right when you come out like first album or your your first uh, painting or you know in this case like George Cohen doing like stand up and like that's the thing that gets you out there and then you realize like oh man I, this is what everyone expects me to do I think that's the problem is like if you're doing what people are expecting if you continue doing what people expect you to do all the time then you're you can go your whole life and then at the end of it, you're like fuck you look back and you're like shit I really wanted to like I always wanted to be an ice sculptor you know yeah something. yeah yeah and never even uh never even got the chance to but yeah i mean like they, I, that's why i really respect what uh Sterling's doing because like you know he's just kind of like fuck i'm just gonna do whatever whatever i want you know yeah i mean that, and, and even go back further to what i was saying what i was saying before it's like the flaming lips were like they were like a shitty fucking punk band in yeah. Oklahoma City. you know they they were like they were kind of shit it was kind of like what beastie boys were doing too like they were like a punk band and then all of a sudden, like, they kind of found their thing. And then once they started doing it, people were like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're three, like, kids from fucking, like, New York City, like, white kids who are trying to rap shit. Like, and then they fucking blew the fuck up. And yeah. so the same thing happened with the Flaming Lips, you know? They just decided to, like, get weird with it and uh, and cultivate that, you know? Dude, I cannot tell. I, I, there's, there, there had to be so many moments in time where you were a member of a band like the beastie boys and you are three three white dudes that were formerly in a punk band and you remember that scene in high fidelity when he's like i was certain that all the cool kids were gonna find out that i had just bought my leather jacket and kicked my ass you know, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they were probably had that fucking imposter syndrome but it was something that they wanted to do really fucking bad and i swear to god man I can still, I, I can put on Sabotage 20 minutes from now and I still get fucking goosebumps. That song is so yeah, badass. And they just they did albums of that shit. Albums yeah, of that shit. But then also, I mean, like to, like, <laughs> you know, to add another element to it, another layer is all the freaking like artwork and videos were insane. Like the Sabotage video is 
it's one of the greatest videos of all time, you know, like, yeah. in the, and you could, you could just watch it on mute and be like, Oh God, this is brilliant. You know, okay. um, same with most of their videos, you know, and for, for all of them, really. I mean, like, think, okay, think about it this way, man. Think about, okay, go their music. I don't care for it. Uh, like whatever. It's not for me. But I get it. Blew up with their videos, you know. Yeah. And like now, it's like almost like I know that uh, I feel like a lot of people go to their concerts just to see, just for like the visual. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Which I've heard is amazing. It's wild to me that that there's you know this spectrum of of uh, creativity. I feel like, and if you're somebody like. It, oh god who's a good example um like the guy that was doing all the the missy elliott and puff daddy videos and like the hypnotized videos back in the day who, who the fuck was that oh god hey, massive productions right gigantic fucking productions uh millions and millions of dollars spent on these music videos that are basically you know uh, was it hype williams yeah uh and like David LaChapelle and like there's like there was a certain period in the 90s where like there was like all this giant like just crazy money going into like yes. video production which is completely obsolete now by the way it doesn't even exist outside of YouTube true. yeah it's yeah exactly I mean like I mean you obviously you can still watch music videos but like it's it's crazy to think of like a medium that came and went in such yes. a in such a like hardcore like trip to outer space and then burning up on re-entry you know like it's it's i mean like that's when also let me ask you this like do you think that i mean you know with the i was thinking about this i was talking to a friend about this the other day like talking about exactly what we're talking about with music videos and like how like not a lot of production goes into them anymore um we saw the same thing in like the 80s and like into the nineties, like that's when it started to fade out, like seventies, eighties, like with concerts and like people selling out giant stadiums and, and arenas and stuff. Um, I, there's like this kind of like arch that happens that like, you know, obviously like record sales are down because people don't buy records anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, ticket sales aren't what they used to be because people, cause they can't push the albums as hard. But then also, like, let me, I'm trying to get my head around this thought because. I know exactly what you're trying to say. And so, like, it's kind of, like, interesting the way that, like, with the, like, the advent of, like, all these different, like, apps and services and social media kind of channels that, that now, like, whenever you do go to watch a video on, like, YouTube, you always I, like personally, and like people I talk to about this too. They always like look for the live videos, not like the produced music video. That's like the art piece, because it's also it's all like connected in the way that like we stopped buying as many records because people started like when like cassettes came out, you could like you could double them, and yeah. so yeah, yeah. you know that, that automatically uh, made records sell plummet to certain levels. But then people stopped going to these giant concerts because they couldn't afford to put on these giant concerts because record sales were like, you know, down. And then also, I don't know, like it kind of all gets to like this very personal level of like, 
a very personal level of like what your your desire is as far as going to concerts and being involved with a band. You want to see like the live performance, but you're gonna watch it on a, a screen, you know? <laughs> like it's it's so yeah. weird. It's weird how it went that way. Well, I mean, but even concert sizes too. You know, it's more intimate sized. You know, as far as venue. I I mean I think that live performance will really never die because of that no, no, connection. That. Well, no, no, but I, I get what you're alluding to, and and I feel like you know in that vacuum of of like you know record sales and you know uh, uh, you know CD stores and I mean fuck man we used to cut class to go to Amoeba Records in Berkeley and like buy CDs because we read about them. And yeah. those trusted people that you would, you know, you read in magazines that you would also have to go to Berkeley to buy because they wouldn't sell them at grocery stores. You know, you would have to go to these like all areas of the city to fucking find this stuff to collect. You So you would have to take two different, you know, it was almost two different journeys. You'd need the magazine to tell you what to buy. And then you'd have the second journey of like, oh, fuck. Now, you know, the new Danger Mouse of Gemini came out. I have to go and buy that because I know it's going to be fucking incredible, right? Or how, how, what, whatever the record may be, but well, dude, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I there, it used it used to be, like, I, <laughs> I maybe I'm just sounding like an old man right now, like kids these days and all that shit. But like, it used to, you, it, there was a lot more involvement to be a music fan. It was so I mean? much more personal, man. Yeah. So I would, I would order like, I would out of the back of like Thrasher magazine, I would order like catalogs for like punk record like labels oh yeah i'm ordering another piece of paper from a magazine to then orders you know like tapes and cds from like straight from the label yeah, yeah. you know and then it was like it you had to be like committed to being a fan of music and you know i i sound like an old fart but like it does it's 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 kind of lost that spark, you know, as far as like being like a real like music nerd, you know, I think like music nerds are probably like kind of a dying breed, you know, like. And, and I, don't, I think it's just changed, man. It's not I don't I don't think it ever goes away. Right. But, you know, like what, what I was alluding to before, you know, in that vacuum of, of space, I'm talking, I'm talking about like waiting at like outside the day the album comes out. Oh, yeah. That yeah, kind yeah. of thing. That's never gonna happen again, you know. Uh, no, I guess no, no. <laughs> I it, I remember. Sorry, I'm kind of stoned right now, so <laughs> that's the whole point, man. Um, I remember, uh, you know, there was it, it was it was everything from driving in to buy CDs. You know, speaking of painting, like there wasn't stores in any town around me where you could buy you know, cans of, cans of paint outside of Home Depot. You couldn't get caps anywhere. There's all this custom shit now, and they'll deliver it right to your house. I was printing stickers up the other day for a pop-up that we were working on, and I thought to myself, man, I used to pay, like, a buck a piece for these things, and I would have to go, I would have to ride my bike, like, 25 minutes to get the cool stickers, and they'd be on a fucking binder I threw away at the end of the year, you know? <laughs> Or some shit like that. Right. It's just, yeah, man. It's but it it, it just it, it changes with every generation. I don't, you know, and 
it doesn't get any less cool, man. I still fucking still remember that shit. I'll never forget it. You know, those are some of the best drives. What can you tell me? Name a better feeling than going to the fucking record store when you were a teenager, getting a little stone, being in your car on your own, popping that CD or that tape in for the first time and just getting on the freeway and having the windows down and just hearing something completely new, completely, you know, uh, every track, every track, you know, like all the way through. That's what I, so like the very closest place I grew up in a town called Lone Wolf, Oklahoma, which is like basically a ghost town. Now I still have a farm there, but like the closest place where I could go buy CDs was a Hastings record and bookstore. 26 miles away, like a few towns away. And it was the closest kind of small city um, that I could go there and buy like actual like shit, like the shit I was listening to, you know, like, like yeah. I could get like Agent Orange, Dead Kennedys and Total Chaos and like, you know, like that, you know, fucking gnarly shit. And, oh, yeah. uh, and I, I was like, wow, I could do this. But also, um, you know, yeah, I was driving, you know, most of the time I was driving my 66 Mustang, bright red, black interior. That's like not like I'm surprised any, any of the girls I dated, I, I'm surprised that their dads even let them date me in high school. It's like, <laughs> dude, fucking bright red 66 Mustang with black interior. That's that, that card. Like, it, there's certain things that just, you know. Forget about the car, man. That guy's up to something. That's what every yeah. dad thinks. That that's fucking dude's got something going on. Red with black interior. Like, you know, like that's that car's meant for like one thing. It's you know? a classic like, combo. Yeah. It's like that's just danger. That's like that's like daddy deterrent, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. But you know, I mean, like, that's uh I mean, that's what's cool about classic car seat. You know what I want now, man? Like I me and my girlfriend speaking of, um uh Man, I've been looking at fucking seventies, like C three Corvettes, like the, uh, the 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 just like really curvy fenders. Like I want to have just fucking bright yellow with tan leather interior, like T tops. Just like just fucking asshole. Like like I would definitely shave my beard off and leave the mustache and never wear it. <laughs> you know, just total asshole shit. Yeah, yeah, man. You can have your Hawaii Five O moment, but instead of a Ferrari, you get a, a Stingray. I can't. Yeah, I can't afford the three hundred eight GTS. Um, Here's the clincher <laughs> question, though: Would you have the suitcase rack on the trunk? Oh yeah. Oh, that's why I'm looking at. Yeah. So it's such the California move to have the cal the the, the fucking suitcase, the old stainless yeah. steel chrome suitcase rack on the trunk. Yeah, they stopped doing that, and I guess the the body style switched over from. They started doing the fastback, the glass in the back, the fastback style. They started doing that in like 78, I think. So 77 was the last year where I had a flat back uh, window. Yep. And you could still put the the luggage rack on it. That Man, it's such a good look. So I'm looking at like 73, 74, that era, because they still like, 73 was the last year that they still had chrome bumpers. And then 74, they started doing the molded uh, on the back. And so like, but it still looks cool. Then you get to 76 and then kind of like starts getting boxy on the back uh, bumper, like kind of molded. They're still awesome. All of them. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've gone down a fucking rabbit hole with this, with Corvettes, man. So like <laughs> the, the cool thing is the luggage rack, 
I mean, it's cool. You, it, like, how cool is it to like be cruising down the highway with like a fucking Louis Vuitton trunk like strapped to the back of like a bright yellow Corvette? But the, the coolest thing about the uh, there is like a little cove behind the two like seats, um, and you can take the t tops off, and you're supposed to be able to fit them there. But but you can actually strap they fit on the luggage rack. Yep. Which was a great design idea. So you can actually put your suitcases in behind the seat if you want. I mean, like I don't know. It's it's cool. It's not it's not meant for like taking the family on a road trip. It's it's just the two of you. Like do whatever the fuck you want. You know. Yeah, man. California dreaming. Yeah, that, that's one of those cars. I mean, the mid seventies were were still pretty great for for classic hot rods, and then right at the end of the seventies into the eighties is when everything just went to shit and and became boxy and you know we started really exporting all the design and and it, it it just it really really went to shit i mean and the proof is in the pudding because almost any classic car you see um that's really heralded as like you know a collector there is a a huge gap unless it's something like uber interesting or uh, a super rare collector's item there's a, a time between, I think, you know, 70, I would say seven or eight, all the way to 80, eight or nine, where you're just like, ah, you just got to throw your hands up. I mean, yeah, I mean, even the Buick Grand National, you know, it's like, it's, but it's that's one of those box- cars that, that, that passes the test because it, it's, it's, it's still a boxy car from the era, but they murdered it out, man. And it's got yeah. a, a turbocharger on it. So like, exactly the pass for sure. hundred percent that and the Knight Rider car, the, the, <laughs> the Trans Am yeah. all murdered out. And then any, any year really, I would say outside of the late eighties, Pontiac Firebird, you're doing yeah. pretty well. You're doing yeah. pretty well, but those are some, I mean, you're talking about there's, hundreds of production cars throughout that time and fuck man that's two that you can really speak to right off the top of your head you know what's funny though and i and i i hate it and love it at the same time it's like during like the 80s and like early 90s when those cars were kind of like you know the trans am and the the uh the uh, firebird like Grand like they, like they they were like the only kind of like muscle cars around the IROC Z, um, those kind of cars. And like whenever you go try to find them now, like I've I've done a bunch of research on them recently just because I've been bored in quarantine, kind of like window shopping on my computer. But like they're like the price on those is like insane. And you know why? It's because they made a shit ton of them. But every fucking idiot who had one of those ragged it out like fucking wrecked it you know like so they're actually kind of like they're for like having like probably the highest production of that style car in that era you know like there are not that many of them around yeah because they just got fucked up like like dude that was one that was one thing about well there's many things but that was one thing about that movie the departed that i laughed mm -hmm. hysterically at and it's so fucking accurate the IROC Z and the Fox Body Mustang were the two yeah. cars that you got into primarily if you were buying decent drugs. Yeah, totally. In, in the <laughs> 90s and early 2000s. And, and you're right. They ragged them the fuck out and they got yeah. ridden those, to the ground. Those wrecks weren't caused by alcohol. 
oh, primarily. absolutely not. Those were fucking cop chases, dude. <laughs> that was cocaine, man. Oh, 100%. Um, oh, man. I was thinking of, of shifting gears a little bit, like that pun. Yeah, um, I love it. What do you think about, um, what's your opinion on, like, the modern, like, electric, like, electric cars and motorcycles? Because um, I think they're fucking cool. The same, yeah. So uh, you and I are both, and we can talk about classic cars forever. And like, cause we're total like high run gearhead guys. But like, I just wanted to talk to, like, I think it's it's something that we should definitely talk about because I think it's, like, I, like Teslas. I'm not talking about Teslas. I think the Teslas ushered in like a, a very interesting and responsible type of automobile. But they are like they look like a responsible automobile. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. What I've been really excited about, like, there's this company called Rivian, mm. and uh, they make pickup. They're making pickup trucks and like SUVs that are. The, the SUV looks like it looks like a like a Land Rover kind of shape, you know. Yep. And and the trucks are sweet. They have like a pull out like tool rack that you can turn into like a picnic table. It's like and sweet, and they're they're electric. They have like there's like 750 horsepower, and you can get like 400 miles on a charge. Yeah, I have a, I have a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee, and like I can get 400 miles on a tank of gas. Yeah. So like, and that's the thing is like the biggest thing about like electric vehicles is that they're like ah, battery life isn't. You know, it's great if you're like taking around the city and stuff, but like if you're trying to go on an adventure, it's like if you're trying to like road trip or like go camping and like get lost, you know? Yeah. And it's hard, but like now with this company Rivian, it's like they're um. I don't know. It's just like a really fucking cool idea. Like now the technology is caught up to what the desire is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, there's some cool electric motorcycles too, that I'm pretty interested in as well. I'm, I'm, I, I split decision and, and for a, a multitude of reasons, and I'll try not to tangent too hard on this, but you open I'm, a can you, of worms here. You, you will. I mean, like <laughs> I have, I, 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 I definitely self-edited myself you know like they, like i've got a lot of opinions about this shit i mean like i like i like the smell of gasoline so you know like that's never gonna change so but at the same time i also like the idea of like it's kind of weird i like the idea of getting on a an electric motorcycle i know and i'm a harley owner so like yeah the live wire thing is i'm kind of like whatever but like the cool thing is they're not trying to make like a harley they're just making an electric motorcycle was made by Harley. So they're not trying to like fake the shit, you know. A lot of people thought they were gonna like put like sound effects on it and make it sound like a Harley because that is patented. But I don't think a lot of people know that, but Harley Davidson, the sound of the engine is actually patented. Yep. Um so uh but yeah the, the thing is like I I've been really interested in the idea of like getting on an electric motorcycle and ripping around like around here like from the redwoods and shit. <sighs> Gliding like a fucking bird through this trees you know like and like actually just hearing that shit and uh you want to fly like an eagle i'm fly like an eagle (laughs) yeah man and yeah i'm stoned right up (laughs) no man i fucking love it so hearing like the breeze and the leaves and stuff so the the one thing about electric motorcycles as i would say that i've saved lives yes so across the board i would say um, I enjoy the idea of the, um, obviously the, uh, 
natural, like the, the natural saving grace, uh, for, you know, the ecosystem, uh, electric motorcycles and cars across the board are doing, are going to do fantastic things for, um, global warming in, in general. And I think it's, it, it's, you can't, there, there is no going back now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's part of mainstream culture. They're already looking at ways where, you know, you, you get, like you said, the same amount of charge out of a battery that you get out of a tank of gas, which is all people really wanted. Now they're looking at affordability options. Um, the things that are drag for me personally, um, and I know you probably mirror the sentiments, uh, I can't hear it, unfortunately. And for a motorcycle, that's one thing that I don't know that I would necessarily abide as an owner is like half of your safety is everyone around you knowing that you're there. And like you said, loud pipes save lives. The other thing that I I really, you know, there is a certain, and I know that you know this because you you built your motorcycle from the ground up uh, amongst other things. There's a certain uh, reward that you get uh, if you have a mechanical background of any kind from like building any corner, any kind of internal combustion motor and listening to a turnover for the first time or starting it any time after that or breaking down and knowing that you can fix it. Like, yes, it's a battery and it's, you know, you're going to plug it in and it's not going to break down necessarily. I mean, I know there's probably technical issues that they have that are electrical. I, I have no idea how to fix that shit. So I, I would feel at a loss, but that's almost Yes, exactly. Um, So those are kind of my my two biggest uh, uh, cons in terms of, you know, uh, uh, electric vehicles. But, you know, there's there's something to be said for like you like you were talking about a fucking pickup truck that doesn't have gears and you get halfway up the side of a hill and the, you know, first gear wears out and you got to worry about dropping it in the second and losing power and potentially, you know, inching your way up to the top of the hill. When you push the pedal in a fucking electric car, the torque doesn't go away. And especially the way they're building them now, where there's a lot, a lot of them are switching from one gearbox to four gearboxes, one per wheel. It's, it's an all wheel drive that doesn't fucking quit. I mean, every single wheel is pulling you where you want to go and there isn't a drag. There's no throttle drag. There is no fucking torque drag. You're not worrying about the gearbox and having to shift. I mean, if you push, it goes harder. There's definitely upsides, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would take, I would take a, a top off K five blazer with a small block three fifty over a fucking electric, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, any day of the week, man. I, but who knows? I, maybe that'll change, but you know. Well, yeah. But I mean, the way I've always thought about it in comparison in, in any other, um, kind of comparative realm of life, uh, you know, the problem, like the troubleshooting and problem solving is what makes life interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. if everything just works perfectly, then I mean, like that's that's your classic cars to modern cars, right? That's like, oh, that's the reason why you got to change the strings on your guitar because they don't last forever, right? Yeah, um, and you know, fucking relationships, personal relationships take you know, like maintenance and like you know, like understanding of like the operation of them, right? So, like, 
that's uh yeah i mean like I, you know like there are like I, a billion different ways to smoke weed but like when it comes down to it i just want to fucking roll a joint and split it with my buddy but i can't <laughs> do it anymore <laughs> yeah. not allowed to anymore you yeah know, um, before we before we lean too far into another another uh avenue man they're what they are doing that is really fucking cool uh and there's a couple guys on youtube and i'm forgetting the name right now but there's a couple guys on youtube that are repurposing tesla motors like burned out tesla oh, motors yeah. or and they're putting them in yeah dude, they're putting them in, yeah that's fucking cool well that's cool because like the thing is like with the, i've seen mostly porsches and uh, volkswagens um, but that makes sense because a lot of those engines are direct drive. So yep. it's same like kind of setup so they can go right in the back and then you put your batteries on the front and yeah, it's, it's, it's really sweet, man. Uh, Fucking a. I, I've definitely entered in a couple of raffles. <laughs> I've, I've, I've like fallen into that trap. I like to win one. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? I think Hit that my is email. Yeah, <laughs> it's sponsored and like optimized, you know, and like, so like, yeah, we, we've all like, the chances of you winning any of those things is pretty low, but I did, there's a, you know, um, I did look at, uh, doing one of those, cause I have a 71 beetle convertible. I looked at, uh, I looked into getting it converted to electric and, uh, I, I, I hate to say it, but obviously this is evolving, but like, and things will change, but like right now it's like, do to buy all the stuff for it and like have it converted by like one of these companies like z electrics or whatever it's, it's like a six-figure party yeah i mean yeah. like you you could actually just buy one that they've restored completely restored like yeah. you might have a perfect one as well but like you know like the, um you can just buy one from them that they've done and put the you know like the electronic engine electric engine in, in uh you'll spend less than converting yours. And that's kind of bullshit right now, you know? Cause like, if you think about the, think about like this, like it's kind of capitalizing off of the idea that like, you've got this thing that's almost monopolized, right? Like this thing that people want, they want it like everyone wants to fucking convert, you know, like convert their vehicles to electric or, you know, a lot of people would consider it, right? But then it's like kind of out, out of the realm of possibilities at the moment at the moment keyword i mean it will change but um it's kind of like the same thing with like toilet paper in the time of fucking covid you know yeah. it's like how fucking dare you man i'm trying to like or maybe toilet paper is not the greatest example but you get what i'm saying like, kind I, of do, like I do off of uh you know like a, a situation it's like like the person in like kentucky that like bought like all the hand sanitizer and like in, in Louisville and then put it on Amazon and then Amazon shut them down and they're like now they're sitting on like a garage full of hand sanitizer they're like well, we thought we were gonna get rich off this and like well that's what you get man that's karma kicking me right back in the ass for like trying to like capitalize off of, absolutely like, and well deserved I mean I have to imagine that the people that are developing these aftermarket industries to you know kind of reconfigure these vehicles are doing all the r&d and making their their they're their setting their price table based on what they know it costs for an aftermarket person to do it in their garage right. and then they're just a little bit higher than that but 
that's, I mean, you know, that that's kind of what they have to do or, you know, they, they would, there would just be a fucking industry full of guys calling them going, Hey man, uh, I, I'm three quarters of the way through with this build. Uh, <laughs> I fucked something up really bad. Can you guys just finish it up for me? It would just be everybody at that point. But, yeah. you know, I, I, like you said, this is, we're, we're kind of, right on the precipice of this becoming like more of a mainstream thing, you know, like it started with Tesla building their whole line of vehicles and, you know, Porsche did the Taycan karma has their sports cars. They're developing the sports car shit to an extreme level because it's fashionable, but you, you have to know that there's an entire, if not bigger portion of their production that's going to making mainstream, like, like a, fucking Corolla version of this and who knows if they haven't done it already and have just been selling the technology and the, you know, the build spec to other, you know, industry leaders. Cause they don't want to worry about it. Cause they're trying to fucking shoot people to Mars, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's yeah. Well, let's, uh, so like speaking of, uh, driving in quarantine, um, what do you think about, did you see on the news today that there was a, someone who did the cannonball run? And broke the, the record by like. There's no one on the road. Yeah. <laughs> there's no one on the road, man. So like, I say disqualified because that is bullshit. That's not. That's not. It's not like your like normal track conditions, you know, or you know, like, you know, like if you, yeah, sure, shit, man. Like this person only did it in like, did it only like twenty six and a half hours, something like that. I'm like, it took you that long? I mean, like, if I were to go out, I'm not challenging right now. Or maybe yeah. <laughs> I will count. Fucking like, go for it, man. Yeah, if there's no one on the fucking highway, I can do it in less than 24. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Well, like, I mean, totally unfair. And it's also super irresponsible. Like, to, like, I mean, already, it's funny to, like, get all nitpicky about the irresponsibility of, like, someone driving, like, 175 miles an hour and average speed, uh, or 157, sorry. Um, every speed across the country. It's kind of that's awesome. A, that's irresponsible, but it's awesome. But then like, then, you know, there are people talking about like doing it during like a court, like the uh, COVID quarantine. It's like, you know, you could be pumping gas somewhere and like, like, you know, spreading it across the country. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm just more pissed off that they took advantage of the fact that there was no one on the road. I mean, if it's, if it's, yeah, honestly, man, when it comes to something like that, where part of the competition is having to deal with the same landscape as the rest the of the people on the road, you it would be like somebody getting into a, you know, somebody taking their whole team out to Baja and running the 500 and setting a new, you know, record for Baja. And it's like, well, that's not it. You know, there's, there's fucking, you know, there's a hundred, a hundred or more other teams out there running the race there's actually fucking like, uh, uh, you know, who, who knows where they come from or if they're hired by other teams, but there's people that legit set up obstacles and traps for other teams to run into, um, you know, and, and fucking, uh, uh put the kibosh on other people's, uh, cars, you know, it, it, it's yeah. definitely, it's, it's squirrely. You get, you get into squirrely territory there. There's no way you'd have, have to DQ that guy. Oh man. Seriously. Like, yeah. I mean, like, Think about it, like that's what makes it interesting. 
Yeah. It makes it yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's the variables involved. That's going back to what we were saying before, you know, like that's what makes life interesting is like the variables and like the hurdles he had. Like, you know, if it were like, we would all be like, if it were that easy, we'd all be just fucking fat and like, you know, in bed and just watching, you know, we'd be rewatching Big Mouth seasons one and two to like <laughs> 40 times. You know? With the hormone monster. Still laughing, you know. <laughs> Life isn't that easy, man. So like, that's kind of like, that's the idea of like challenges, you know, like, like, you know, that's, that's what it is, you know. And so to like take the challenge away from it, other than like basically you just not fucking up and like falling asleep at the wheel around the road, you know, it, you know, like or whatever. Um, and that's like it's, it's that's not actually the challenge, you know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, those people need to go back and watch the actual movie, like the 1981 comedy Gold <laughs> Cannonball Run. Because so it's good. like you know, it's so so good. And it, and it's kind of like the same thing as like the Baja race too, because like you've got these different categories. Like I think it's category eleven is like stock Volkswagens. Yeah. So like I've always wanted to do that. Mine's a convertible and I know I'm gonna flip that bitch, but uh it's not like I've kind of like kept kept that in the back burner. But uh Dude, yeah, you'll pop like, you'll pop all four of those fucking tires before you come close to flipping it. hundred <laughs> percent. That's a rowdy fucking track, man. There's yeah. there's a really good Amazon documentary that follows the monster team. And yeah. that is uh, it's unreal the shit they have to do. And, you know, they, or Red Bull, Red Bull's team. And that, you know, millions of fucking dollars go into that shit. And, and yeah, running it alone would be, it's, it's, irre- it's irrelevant. You know, it's like, you know, I it's kind of like the Redneck World Cup, you know? Uh, or like, like running on in circles in your backyard. Have you seen the fucking newscasters that are doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. It's like, I mean, I, I'm not going to say anybody could do that, but like anyone, anyone in decent shape that has, you know, five hours with nothing else to do on their hands can go into their backyard and run a fucking marathon. It's not, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not giving you snaps on that, man. I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it either, man. I get exhausted when I look at my bike. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, <laughs> So what, what is the state of things where you are, man? Are you, is it, it, I know it's kind of quarantine fest everywhere, but like, is, are, do you guys, are, do you have enough outdoor activity around you to like keep you fucking entertained? Is what, what, like, what are you guys doing? What is day to day for you right now? Um, I mean, like I've been doing a lot of, still like doing some work stuff, mostly like fundraiser stuff for like Grand Army and like for the bartending community and the industry, you know? Um, so that's what like the days are like during the day. But then like, um, honestly, like a lot of recording, like I said before, but then, you know, as far as like the fun stuff, it's like, dude, I, I go on bicycle rides, but then I also go on like motorcycle rides. I, I actually took my guitar amp apart. Like <laughs> I, uh, so this goes back to kind of like we were talking about for a long time about like cars and stuff, especially classic cars and motorcycles. Like, like it's always fun wrenching, you know, like I, a lot of times, like, you know, I'll sit around the garage, like when I was in Brooklyn, you know, like my chopper's still there actually. Like, like me and the guys that I showed the garage with, we'd just like hang around the garage, like drink a beer and like, look, just kind of like, you know, the garage move where you're just like sitting 
I'm like standing around drinking beer, just kind of like doing the like king of the hill, like yep, yep, just like staring at the car or the motorcycle or whatever, yeah. thinking about what what you're gonna do next. Like, it's never <laughs> and so like you know, the, you know, a perfectly good running bike or car or whatever, and then you just have, you're like, it's right, never gonna, done. It's never I'm done. Got the carburetor on this. Yeah. yeah, totally. So like, I did that with my guitar amp. I uh, yeah, this. Uh, Fender Deluxe Reverb. It's like the kind of like iconic uh, Fender guitar amp. And it's like black Tolex, which is kind of like a leather looking, kind of very thin material on the outside. And then it's got like silver sparkly face on the front. And I like stripped it down. I pulled the Tolex off of it. And I found out that the wood underneath was actually not bad looking. I'll send you pictures of it. Um, yeah. But the before and after is crazy because it's like black or it kind of looks like everything else. Stripped it. Sanded it, stained it like a cognac stain, changed the grill cloth to like this wheat kind of tan color, uh, which is a old traditional one for Fender. Changed up the light from red to like this amber. And uh, it's like, it looks super like, it looks like a piece of furniture, man. It's like brown and tan, like wicker kind of like, it's like, looks real good, like hippie country shit, you know? And so like, but the thing is the screaming table, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so, like, that's, uh, you know, like, I like I need I need to always, like, be able to, like, get my hands on something and yeah. do something. Yeah. And so, and, like, and I like to, I like to fuck with shit, man, and make it, make it work better and look cooler. You know, that's, that's, that's what, that's what happens when you grow up as, like, classic car, like, gearhead, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All about making it work better and look cooler. Um, there's something yeah, so there's kind that. of interesting and like primitive about you know uh, taking you know you you take for granted a lot of the time uh, uh the majority of shit around you that you know how to work but you don't really know how it works and yeah. when you disassemble something there is a good chance if you don't know what you're doing that you <laughs> that you can permanently impair that object but yeah yeah that's kind I of how you learn. A lot of radios when I was a kid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a ton of shit that you take apart that you just kind of figure out. But if if you kind of you know if you map what you're doing and you pull something apart, knowing how to put it back together is is pretty fucking. It's it's highly rewarding. It's it's really fucking awesome feeling. You know, and then you didn't invent that thing necessarily by any means, but you feel like you had a piece of making it work again, right? Especially when you bring something back to life, once you do understand it, that's when the real reward comes in. Um, you know what's crazy? Like, yeah, I mean, like kind of on the same tip, like I was, I, I thought I was being like really like unique and special about this uh, when quarantine kind of started or shelter in place started. And uh, like, I was like, I'm going to start fucking, I'm going to bake bread. And like, of course, everyone in the world <laughs> Like there's two things you can't find, two things you can't find in a grocery store anywhere. It's toilet paper and flour. Yeah, man. Um, so like, but luckily I had enough. But started a sourdough starter and like watching that thing grow was crazy. And then like also like fucking love bread, man. Like I never really baked in my life, so like it was it's been cool. Like seeing that shit come to life, you know. Like understand, and it's kind of like it's. It's not the breakdown part, it's the rebuild part, you know? So, like, or to build, you know? And so, like, being able to, like, watch something grow, that shit's alive, you know? And uh, 
and uh, like seeing it through, it's it's pretty crazy, man. And you know, you can here's I will say this, man. Um, kind of like on a social level, it's really been interesting, man. I've been talking with a few people about this too. It's like I'm wondering how, like, especially like being in the like service industry and like bar restaurant industry, you know. I've been talking with some other buddies of mine who are also bar owners and restaurateurs and stuff, and like talking about how like uh, how we're gonna like get through this and and what the world's gonna be like on the other side of this when once the uh, the whole quarantine thing lifts a little bit, and uh, like it's kind of like it's interesting to think about like what is going to happen socially. Like I'm a fucking hippie, man. I love like when I when I say hi to people and bye people. I'm a, I'm at least a hugger. I'm a hugger, know? dude. Yep. If, if not a kiss or a kiss on the cheek or, or whatever, you know, like, so like, um, and like that to me is already weird because like, and, you know, like that's, that's done. You know, like handshakes are basically done. That's fucked up. Think about that. I mean, like, I'm not saying they're completely done, but like, it's questionable now. And that fucking sucks, man. So like, there's that. I mean, the reason why I brought this up is because I was thinking about how like, people are like sharing their like kombucha starters and their sourdough starters. And it's like a communal thing. And it's about like as social as we get outside of like zoom meetings like this one and stuff like that. But it's been really interesting thinking and, and like kind of having this conversation with people about what's, what is the world going to look like for, yeah. for, for concerts, you know, like we're talking about before, like, you know, the, the social distancing thing is like, man, like it's, it's kind of like stripping the magic out of like it's it is it's like if that, if we come back if we come out of this and then like people are afraid to like go to bars or restaurants or go to concerts or like even like you know like go to get damn coffee you know like it's gonna be it's gonna be a brutal world and I hope that's not the way it's gonna turn out but like it's kind of weird thinking about that man I'm thinking like I, I've talked with like buddies of mine who are like in the industry, but then also like friends of mine who are like tattoo artists, you know, and they're like, and this conversation kind of turned into a, um, a conversation of like necessity because like right now it's like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like I've, I realized, and this is a good thing because like I realized how much fucking money I spend on just going out to eat and drink. But the thing is, that's what I love spending money on. Like, yeah, man. I don't need any more hats or guitars. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, but I love going out to eat and drink, you know? And so like, but I have realized like, like in comparison to what it's taken for me to survive through this, I'm like, I'm actually saving money right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's kind of crazy. I'm wondering how the world's going to recover and like get back into it. And, you know, like, I, like I have faith in the fact that like humans humans and we need interaction with each other and that's never going to change but it's definitely gonna be like a little skewed for a while right i mean like my, for instance, my, I, we're so we're in the throes of this right now man and you know that definitely elicits a response that's really you know top-ended and and you know the all the headlines want to elicit the shock value and you know, Anthony Fauci being quoted saying that, you know, the handshake is dead. And, you know, we've, we've seen moments like this before in human history, you know, but human beings as, as, you know, as an organism, I mean, we, we need 
interpersonal contact. We, we have to have that. I mean, back backtracking through the previous part of our conversation, you know, if people didn't need that interpersonal connection, they would watch these concerts from home. They would watch these fucking, you know, comedy shows from home, man. Like we yeah, have they, to they be, make, they would make their fucking food and, and drinks at home. You know, there's, yes. they don't need, yes. like bars don't need to exist on that level. They need to exist on a social level. You know, you can drink and eat at home for way less. We've proven it, you know, like we've always known that, but like we're definitely realizing right now, like, uh, since we're living in it, but like, but yeah, I mean like the personal connections have to happen. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of predict a, a kind of a weird baby boom coming out of this because like, it, there's going to be, you know, like there's, there's electricity in like the human touch, man. And so like, like once people are able to touch each other again, there's going to be, they're going to be touching a lot. There's going to be some heavy, some heavy touching. Some heavy. Oh man. I, 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 you know, there's, I can't wait for that. You know what? A hundred percent. Uh, you know, the better than anybody, man, like the places that, that we've worked extra fancy grand army with you, uh, your time at, um, at, at Frankie's like, you know, uh, uh, prime meats, like, dude, uh, uh, people go to bars for the service staff, the bartenders, you know, if you have, you know, there's, especially in New York, you know, uh, the really, the, the really staple places that, that really, you know, that stand out, that do it better. Um, th- they're the spots that have the, the heart and the soul, man. I mean, and people go to bars. It's the oldest adage, right? From, from bars and bartending. You go to a bar for a bartender, you don't go for the bar. You go yeah. for the bartender, man. I mean, and, and that stands the test of time. People love interacting with other people. And some people are, are, are more, you know, prone to it than others, but everybody needs it. You know, the guy that is socially awkward at the bar and kind of keeps to himself still is there because he wants to have a human interaction. I mean, that part doesn't change. Everyone's, everyone's different on so many different levels, but I think that is the one common uh, and maybe saving grace of, of what we really have and, and what bars and restaurants have is like, People need that fucking connection, man. And and say what you want about Seamless and Grubhub and people ordering from home now. And, you know, the news outlets need to make their fucking headlines. People will always need restaurants and bars because we need that social outlet. We need that place to go when our day's been really fucking awesome or whether it's been really fucking shitty or we have something to celebrate or shit. We just, it's a Wednesday and we want to go and hang out with our fucking buddy who we haven't seen in a couple days you know it's like you don't need a reason it's 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 just uh it's a constant it's a human constant it has to be there human connection is a necessity and it won't ever change that's absolutely true that's that's the point of this whole thing man like i think that uh you know like when you know it's it kind of gets exhausting sometimes when you hear um, so many people like posting and saying, we're going to get this through this together, you know, and everything. But like, that's just been human life 
for as long as we've known it, you know, yeah. not, not just this, it's, that's what it is. And I, you know, I like what you said about the, uh, the kind of like socially awkward, quiet person at the bar, like being there still, because like, I mean, even if they're not talking to anyone, but like maybe the bartender a little bit, like they still like need me out. And I think that, you know, like I said before about like the, uh, the cannonball run and like working on classic cars and stuff like that. It's the fucking variables in life that make it interesting. Yeah. You man. know, there's uh, you know, how many times have you like been in a perfectly like normal bar, restaurant, social like, museum, whatever it is, and then like some kid like <laughs> decides to like puke or like, <laughs> or like pee on like on someone else or like a priceless piece of art or like in their own food that they ordered and then it's like all right that just made life interesting so yeah, like, yeah. and like you know like if <laughs> we didn't have that man <laughs> yeah like, I, I love a good puke take uh from you know like just random people like, like what just happened yeah. Holy shit. And everyone has a laugh. Well, like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> moments like that make it, it interesting. And I guess I, I think we, you know, th- this is in a lot of ways, it is absolutely one of the, you know, especially for rest- restaurants and bars. Um, and, and a lot of people, especially in New York, uh, you know, where I'm at right now, uh, this is one of the hardest things that has hit the city ever. I mean, this is, this trumps nine 11, you know, it's, it's the, the yeah. death toll is almost, it's more than tripled now. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's a, a sense of disconnect that has never existed. It's completely unprecedented. And where we were at before this, I have to look at it and I have to think, you know, maybe one of the greatest things that will come from this in terms of this conversation of, of interpersonal human connection and contact, you know, we were way too heavily reliant on, you know, on these networks of, you know, home delivery and Amazon. And we, I think we lost touch with the importance of being out and being in front of people because the, you know, the, the world made it so easy for us to be at home and with the amount that people work and are out in the world in so many other, you know, facilities in a place like New York, um, you forget how much you need that, that social aspect of your life out and about and around people and interacting and going out to these places. I mean, you, you, you don't realize what you have. I mean, and it's such a fucking, you know, uh, uh, classic, you know, kitsch statement, but you don't know what you have until it's gone, man. And hopefully a lot of the, the best thing that comes from this is people realize that they were taking for granted the fact that they had this unbelievable freedom to just be out and about and, you know, uh, uh, interacting with the people around them. And, you know, maybe f- from now on, we won't see as many memes about fucking, you know, canceling dinner plans and how awesome that feels and, you know, uh, staying in and just fucking sitting on your couch. It's like, 
that was never really awesome. Yes, it's kind of hilarious because when you're really fucking busy and you're inundated with shit all the time, it's nice to sit at home. But when you realize that you can't go outside now and you can't interact with your friends, I mean, you miss it fucking terribly, man. It tears a hole through you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the things that I've kind of predicted from this are that one, and this is mostly based on New York City. Yeah. Um, one, people are gonna start being nicer to each other. I think littering is gonna go down. Fucking hope so. Uh, <laughs> that's that's needed to happen. But like, also, the quality of the time that you spend with people like is going to definitely change. Yes. It already, it already has anyway. But like once you realize like like we all realize it now. Once you get back out there and start hanging out with people, it's gonna be like, oh my God, all right. This is this is very precious this time. Two, um or two, uh, another one rather. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what number I'm on. I just started, but look, I've got a lot of them. Um one thing Another thing that I realized is like maybe there won't be less litter so much, but people are gonna fucking wash their hands, man. So like it's funny to me because like when I talk to people about this, they're like, you know, like even my, my brothers are like, wash your hands. I'm like, dude, I'm a bartender. I like am used to washing my hands like hundreds of times a night. My hands are so clean they are almost falling off my body out on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, like, I think I'm like, I'm like, wow, finally y'all are catching up, you know, like, <laughs> fucking a, yeah. So, I think I think things are gonna get cleaner and more responsible. And like, I don't, it, like, honestly, like, dude, I think a lot of people are gonna be like, they're like turning down the uh, cigarette smoking too, you know. Um, Hopefully, I mean. <clears throat> It's Don't just, get me wrong, there have been a few times where I'm like, God damn, all I want to do is like go smoke a cigarette, but outside of a bar where I've been drinking at for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't even really smoke anymore. I don't know if I told you that, but like I don't I, I never was a huge smoker, but like I, I haven't really been smoking for like the last like, I don't know, five months or so. But yeah. like but like the the way that I crave cigarettes is like it's it's just like that what I said before. It's like I would love to be smoking a cigarette outside of a bar with like some random strangers that I was talking to at the bar that I met then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, and that's more about like the human interaction and sociability of it than uh, than the actual cigarette smoking, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said for that. It, you know, there's, it, there, there is a, I think I, I don't, I don't want to venture to say it's a lost art. Um, you know, I, I don't want to even think that it's me making like one of those, uh, you know, old guy statements because I really fucking hope that that's not the case, but, you know, between dating apps and, you know, social media, the way it is nowadays, I really fucking hope that the time of going out, going out to bars, meeting people and striking up conversations and, you know, 
and, and hitting it off in such a way where you're invited to go outside and, and have a cigarette and you, you want, you want to spend a, a, a moment away from the party with that person and like build a, 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 a thought process together, talk about some shit that's maybe necessitates a little more quiet or, you know, I mean, well, yeah, Chad, the thing is that, you know, like something that I've been working on for a long time, like actually oh, a little over a decade now is that, Back when we opened Prime Meats, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but so Prime Meats was this beautiful, like old school. Everything was actually from the 19th century. It's like a time warp. Like walking in there, it's like you're traveling back in time yeah. to like the, the 1890s. It was amazing. It's an amazing spot, man. I mean, yeah. it was. Yeah. It's still there, just a different name. Yeah. Same honors, though. But like the thing is about it is like people would go in. I didn't have bar stools. We had a foot rail and like an old school Brunswick bar still there. Um, but you know, back in the day you would stand at the bar. That's where the term belly up to the bar comes from. Yep. Cause belly would hit the handrail, but um, we worked so hard on making that place legitimately like a time capsule from the 1890s that when we opened, I noticed, I was like, fuck man, like I'd see this blue glow on everyone's faces. And I was like, yeah, this sucks, man. We were like, it was all like old gas lanterns turning, like turned to electric and like recent like Edison bulbs. So it was like this nice amber glow everywhere. And it's like the most amazing lighting. Ever. Yeah. And, and so we ended up, I, I was like, man, we can't have all these people on their cell phones in here. Cause it, it, it takes away from the escapism of this place. So all of a sudden people were like, Hey man, uh, yeah, Wi-Fi in here. I can't. I have no cell phone signal in here. Like, ah, no Wi-Fi didn't exist in the 19th century. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. like, but seriously, do you? I'm like, no. And they're like, but there's no signal in here. I'm like, yeah, sorry, it's the uh, the tin ceiling tiles. You know, the pressed tin ceiling tiles. And uh, you know, they they're in a lot of the old buildings and stuff. And like, they're like, oh, I get. It. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna have to go outside to do that, or. You can just talk to the other people in the bar, like yeah. what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, so they're like, oh, fuck. And some people get all huffy and buffy about it. And they're like, oh, I got to go outside. I got to make this fucking phone call. It's a work call. I'm like, great. Get out of here. Get go, go outside. Go you know, it'd be like the middle of like a harsh, like New York winter. And they're like freezing out there. And like, I can't believe you guys, like, you got to do something about that. I'm like, no, you got to just fucking come here when you're ready to hang out. Yeah, this, man. This here. So, for <laughs> like the first five years, that was the thing. And then finally, uh, we took the cell phone scrambler out. <laughs> <laughs> we had a cell phone scrambler the entire time. It was a perfect signal in there. And like, and we did have Wi-Fi, but it was only like us and like management would use the Wi-Fi for like shit that we needed. Like, sure. You know, like if we're like, especially like if there's like a, you know, like sometimes like someone will text you and you're like, dude, I just sent like this VIP over there. Like they're going to be there in 30 minutes or like you get like a text from someone's like agent and like all of a sudden some big celebrities coming in and like got to make it right, you know? But anyway, it was, it was cool because like that bar always like spurred, inspired like a lot of conversations, you know, just from people like, I'd be next to each other and I, I fucking loved it. And I always wanted to like make sure that bars that I was involved with were always like that, you know, like where people like actually talk to each other. 
And I think that that's going to happen coming through this. I think once, like, you know, like you were saying before, like you've got the, the socially awkward guest who just like hangs out and like is quiet, doesn't talk to anyone. Man, after this, those cell phones are down. In fact, you know what? I just now, I just made a new rule. The Grand Army, after this, fucking, like, if it's not an emergency, I don't want to see your fucking phone on the bar. No you cell phones. Me, no cell phones anymore. We've already gone through the time where, like, how much face, how much screen time have you been into, like, these days, you know? Like, it's pretty much, like, all of my waking hours. Are, like, yeah, man. They're, or most of them, rather. I'm trying to, like, you know, not get involved too much on screen time, but, like, but it's, like, kind of, like, you know, it's, like, we're, we're kind of, like, shackled to it. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, There's a humility to, to, uh, that, and, and I think it adds character to not being able to erase your thought and send something that you think is more, you know, uh, 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 whatever uh you know uh pr- proper or fucking you know uh proselytizing like you you shouldn't be able to do that like the whole point of inter- like person to person reaction is that you know you have you have nights that those conversations go really fucking well and you have nights where you make a fool out of yourself but you know it, it, you take the good with the bad man and you know, I know you can speak to this the same way I can. Some nights you get the awkward guy that we've been talking about drunk at the bar and he's having such a fucking good time. He doesn't realize that he's saying weird shit to people and they're like, they're kind of like, ah, but you know, they're, they're also going along with it. Cause they're like, he's having a fucking blast. You're having a blast. He's having a good time now. And yeah, he may not be saying everything right, but He's having a good time. And that's the whole point. You know, it's like, we're all here to enjoy this space together. You know, it's like, you don't need to say everything right. You shouldn't be able to say everything right. You shouldn't be able to erase your thought and send it back out in, you know, what you think is a more edited version of yourself. You know, that's interpersonal communication. It builds character. It's that, that is, that's shooting the shit, man. And I fucking miss shooting the shit. I miss going into places and just talking to people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's hopefully we get back there. Hopefully we get back there real soon. You know, we're on our way, man. We're on our way for sure. I hope so. Yeah, man. All right, brother. Well, I fucking love you. And, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, well, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Um, uh, is there anything you want to, do you want to, uh, leave off on any specific note? No, I mean like the, uh, yeah, I mean, like we, I just want people to, you know, get back out there and to make sure they're supporting their local businesses and bars and restaurants. And definitely like, you know, while, when you're doing that, you're supporting people, you know, and like, and that's it, in more ways than just like, you know, monetary ways, you know, like, like we were talking about before and like, the social aspects are, you know, very important for all of us as humans. And, uh, you know, even if you, uh, if you got like a favorite bartender or favorite chef, waiter, whatever, fucking send them a message. Like, yeah, man, post something on Instagram and just tag like your favorite bar or restaurant and be like, Hey, we really miss you guys. Or like when, you, if you do like take a stroll, 
with your like mask on and everything. Take a picture and just be like, miss you guys. Can't wait for you to reopen. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then also, I mean, if, you know, I, I don't want to like, you know, like the, I don't want the CDC or like the fucking Department of Health coming at me like that, but like, you know, obviously wash your hands, like keep clean stuff, but like look forward to like the days where it feels good to like hug, hug somebody. Fun. Yeah, man. That's important. If well, I if I die from hugging or high fiving someone, then my life was great. Fucking hey, man. That's a good note to leave off on. I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna shamelessly plug you. Uh Damon is part of Grand Army Bar in Brooklyn and uh amazing band called the Brothers. Um, or just brothers and uh, brothers, but the main thing we also have uh, another one called Lone Wolf Coyotes. Lone Wolf is in the town in Oklahoma where we're from, but also Coyotes is our mascot. So the Lone Wolf Coyotes. So that's at Lone Wolf Coyotes, uh, and then at Damon Bolte is everything else, and then at the Speak at Speakeasy Podcast, I host a radio show called the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, and uh, I'm. Yeah, just do a bunch of stuff. Keep busy, man. That's yeah. the one thing that I didn't give up from when I left, when I moved away from Brooklyn. Uh, st- I'm still hustling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Also, is your like before the is your dad? Your dad's still out here, or or wait, where where's your dad? Uh, pop, my, my my dad Ed uh, is in uh, he he's in Jamestown right now. Okay, so he's in Sonora. Uh, but he also has a place in Castro Valley still. Um, right. And he's he has basically just camped out up in, in Jamestown at his place. Uh, he's got his boat warehouse. He's uh, he's in the middle of a 69 and 70 Roadrunner build. He's just oh, put, nice. yeah, uh, really, really cool. Full, complete rebuild. I mean, sheet metal, everything. Um, so, and that was his, that was his first car that he bought uh his main uh hot rod that he remembers as a teenager when he was in high school so that's pretty cool that he's working on that and uh he's three quarters of the way through the rebuild on the 57 chevy motor so that should be back on the road soon if you want to hook up with him man i'll set you guys up yeah, i'll take you for a ride let's and do it. 57 yeah let's all get together and cruise i know he likes red wine right so we oh, can, uh, absolutely we're, we're in wine country so we'll make that happen Fucking A, man. All right. Well, it, Damon, it was fantastic catching up with you, dude. I miss you, and uh, Brooklyn misses you, and uh, I'm glad that you're well out there in Cali, man. Thank you, man. Um, dude, all the best. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, you got it, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers, brother. Take care. Woo! <laughs>